Oh, shut up. I, I can hear it now. I can hear all you Cowboy fans out there now. Oh, we going to the Super Bowl. We going to the Super Bowl. Y'all make me sick. But I give it to y'all. I'll give you your day. Stephen A. Smith Show in the house. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, over the digital airways of YouTube. Thank you so much for supporting me, as you always have. Obviously, the subscriber base for the YouTube channel has eclipsed over 366,000, so I appreciate the love and the support. Keep it coming. I'm going to keep on coming. As usual, I'm in the studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official sportsbook and sponsor for the Stephen A. Smith Show. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to get into is to also ask you to continue to make sure you like the show. Just click the, the bell to get notified for all of our new content on the YouTube channel, and there you'll have it. And while you're doing that, don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling memoir, a Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Make sure you check that out, and I'll leave it at that for now. Let me get right into it. Let me get this out of my way, because I don't feel like throwing up, all right? I don't feel like throwing up. Dallas Cowboys look good Sunday. Did you heard me say it? Okay, did you heard me say it. you happy? You happy? Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, they connecting. Dak Prescott was at 25, 31 for 31, 304 yards. C.D. Lamb targeted 14 times, 12 receptions. Uh, we saw what he did, 158 yards. He was big time, no doubt, two touchdowns. It was against the Los Angeles Rams. We're just going to ignore that? Or we're just going to ignore that? Last time I checked, they're three and five. Last time I checked, they've got a few losses this week. Did they lose to Pittsburgh last week? With Pittsburgh struggling offensively, didn't they still manage to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers? They've got a few losses on their docket this season. There's no doubt about that. Didn't we see the Philadelphia Eagles and Hassan Reddick close the deal against them in L.A.? By the way, they lost in L.A. to Pittsburgh. They lost in L.A. Okay, to Philadelphia, they lost in L.A. to San Francisco. So let's not forget all of that other stuff, okay? So we got to get that out of the way. Matthew Stafford had a relatively decent day. Actually, I take that back. Only 162 yards passing, 13 to 22. Didn't have much of a running game. I'm looking at their receivers right now. Uh, what is it? Uh, Puka Nakua. Only three receptions, 43 yards. He's a rookie. We know what he brings to the table. Cooper Cup, four receptions, 21 yards. If you're the Los Angeles Rams and you got Cooper Cup and you've got Nakua and you still can't do but so much against Dallas's defense, all right? Got to give Dallas's defense credit, but also it says a lot about you. There's a reason you're three and five. There's a reason you're three and five. Getting back to the Dallas Cowboys, I will say this. That brother Micah Parsons is something special. Eight quarterback pressures, seven of them, in two and a half seconds or less. This brother ain't giving quarterbacks a chance to breathe, okay? So we got to give him some love. We got to give their defense some run. Deron Bland had another pick six, his third pick six of the season, and he's leading the NFL in that. We get it. We get it, okay? Even without Trayvon Diggs, this defense still has managed to step up and show you what they're capable of. I get it, okay? And when you combine that with the San Francisco 49ers losing their third straight, this time having Brock Purdy back into the lineup with Brock Purdy throwing for over 300 yards and they still managed to lose the game, I got to tell you something. That's something to be concerned about. Purdy threw for 365 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, 22 of 31. They still lost, okay? Had a touchdown to Christian McCaffrey as well. They still lost. George Kittle, 149 receiving yards. Brandon Ayuk, 109 receiving yards, and they still lost. 
and they still lost because I tried to tell y'all the Cincinnati Bengals are coming. Joe Burrow always starts off slow, always starts off slow, particularly in September and definitely in September and October, but ultimately they come on strong. Start off 0-2 last year, finished the season, the last 14 games, 12-2. So Cincinnati is a team to be reckoned with. I know that Lamar Jackson looks like an MVP candidate. I know that he's been balling. I know that the Baltimore Ravens are something to be reckoned with. But when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, I still say they were the team to beat in the AFC North because I looked at Joe Burrow. But that's beside the point. That's not where I'm going. I'm going to go back to the NFC because I'm going to shock you. And if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you might want to sit down for this. Might not want to be standing up for this. You might want to faint, actually, which is why you shouldn't be standing up. I'm looking at things right now as they're unfolding in the NFC. This is the Dallas Cowboys' best chance of the Super Bowl in a long time. That's right, I said it. It's true. The Philadelphia Eagles, how are you squeezing by the Washington Commanders? How do you give up 31 points? To, 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 to that crew. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know how to feel about that. Sam Howell is the quarterback. His brother, Sam Howell, threw for 397 yards against the Philadelphia Eagles. Diva. Sam Howell! 397 yards. Passing. Four touchdowns and just an interception. How the hell that happened? Now, Jalen Hurts answered the call, 319 yards, four touchdowns, not a single interception. They didn't run the ball that effectively, only rushed for 59 yards with DeAndre Swift having 57 of them. But that dude, A.J. Brown, six consecutive game, over 125 receiving yards, eight receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. He's a man amongst boys, and Devontae uh, Smith wasn't a scrub either. He had a touchdown, had 99 receiving yards and seven receptions. I get it all. I understand it. Jahan Dotson, some dude named Jahan Dotson, 108 receiving yards for the commanders. I'm looking at Philadelphia right now. You look suspect. I just brought up San Francisco, who's lost their third straight. They look suspect. Okay, now Debo Samuel has been out, and we get that, and we understand how pivotal he is to their success. But you certainly expected them to do something. And they've lost three straight. You didn't expect them to struggle like this. And we started the season saying it's really about Philly and San Francisco. We saw Detroit on the come up and then we just fell for the okie doke. We saw them coming and we said, yo, Detroit look good. They're going to be all right. And then they went on national TV last year, last week and got their ass kicked. Now that was just bad. I mean, they got beat down and bum rushed. It was absolutely positively embarrassing. They got annihilated by the Baltimore Ravens. We expected a big game from Jared Goff and the crew. Jamison Williams is back in the lineup. The rest of the pieces they had in place, and they got bum rushed. They were down 35 to nothing. Wasn't even a game. Wasn't even a game. So we understand that we had to come crash down to earth when it came to the Detroit Lions. And that has me thinking about the Dallas Cowboys. If Dak Prescott's going to look like this, and C.D. Lamb is going to look like this, and Micah Parsons is going to look like this, and De'Ron Bland is going to ball like he's balling, making you forget the fact that Trayvon Diggs is out for the season. You still got Stephon Gilmore, as far as I'm concerned, a future Hall of Famer on one side of the corner. You still got a Dallas defense that can get to the passer, particularly with Micah Parsons being able to pressure the quarterback. You look at the NFC. I mean, this is their best chance. 
So why am I smiling? I tell you why I'm smiling. Because as I often tell y'all, what can go wrong will go wrong. Just be patient. Just wait for it. You don't have to worry about it. Just wait and watch the Dallas Cowboys not let you down. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. San Francisco looks suspect. Philadelphia looks suspect. Detroit looks suspect. We supposed to believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints are going to make some noise. Minnesota just lost Kirk Cousins. They believe he's torn his Achilles. He's out for the year. It's right, Achilles. So you look at it from that perspective, one could easily make the argument that the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the path isn't clear, but the path isn't as difficult and as arduous as we suspected. And because of that, they don't have any excuses. But you see, you're listening to Stevie A right now. A man who knows the Cowboys very, very well. I study these boys. And I would like to remind you that they're at their best when they're the underdogs and when they're counted out. The second you heap expectations on the shoulders of the Cowboys, they fold like cheap bricks. And that's exactly what I suspect will happen. So y'all get all excited. Y'all be like my boy Mark Turner in New Jersey when he's sitting up there looking for me constantly every time the Dallas Cowboys win a game. But when they lose, I can't find them for weeks. Even his wife is looking for him. Okay? This is what goes on. Typical punk-ass Dallas Cowboy fans that they all around when they win it. But when they lose, you got to have an APB out for them until they get it together and then after that they go like this you know we're going to win the Super Bowl next year right it ain't going to happen but I'll give it to you you're in a good situation right now there is no denying that I'll give you love where it's due as I always tell you I'm going to take questions at the end of every show um, my studio is coming together it should be finished in a couple of weeks or so I'm targeting a mid-November start for my new studios and I'm looking forward to showing you that in the days to come. So stick around and continue to support the show and I'll keep it coming. Um, before I go to break, did you see the Tyson Fury, Francis and Gano fight last night or yesterday afternoon in Saudi Arabia? Did you see it? Did you see it? I saw it. Tyson Fury got dropped. The left hook didn't even look that vicious from Francis and Gano. But the man is, did come in at 271. He is incredibly powerful. That is true. But I expected Tyson Fury to give him a boxing exhibition, not necessarily to knock him out, even though I thought that was possible because Francis Ngannou is not a boxer. He's a fighter. But he didn't look that bad. He didn't look that bad at all. He obviously has tremendous power. His boxing skills, he didn't utilize his jab nearly as much as he should have. Maybe that's because he's about four inches shorter or so, and he didn't have confidence that he'd be able to get it to Tyson Fury. But the other thing is, is that even when he threw his, white, his right, it wasn't with the level of force that I suspected where his feet was planted and he's coming in with bad intentions. But nevertheless, he still dropped the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, which is Tyson Fury, who came into the fight 33-0-1. 
against a dude that had never stepped into the boxing ring ever professionally. He dropped the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. That is what happened. And it just goes to show that with heavyweights, you don't play games. One punch can end you. One punch can take you out. And the reality is, is that Francis Ngannou is still learning and he was missing a lot of shots. Here's where my respect for him comes in. Tyson Fury caught him with quite a few shots. And he kept coming. He kept coming. If Francis Ngannou really, really learns to, to box, the heavyweight division could be very interesting. This isn't the days of Muhammad Ali with George Foreman and Joe Frazier. And then as time went on, the Ken Nortons of the world and others. This isn't that time where the heavyweight division was considered elite. This ain't even the times where you had Mike Tyson, the Razor Ruddocks of the world, and others. This isn't that time of Vander Holyfield ultimately moving up to the heavyweight division. Hell, it ain't even the time when Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe, and Holyfield were all fighting in this division together. When you look at the heavyweight division, who do you really see? Am I supposed to get excited about Usyk? Am I supposed to get excited? About Anthony Joshua, who's got a questionable jaw. I like him as a person, but the jaw is suspect. The jaw is suspect now. Ask Andy Ruiz. But then again, I shouldn't say that because Andy Ruiz can fight and he can hit. Now, he might look a little bit like a miniature fat bastard from the movie Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. I mean, that's possible. But, but Andy Ruiz can fight. Good dude. Great boxing skills. He can really fight and he will knock you the hell out. Anthony Joshua knows a thing or two about it because he took him out in the first fight. They fought one against one another. So Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, Usyk, I get it. And, 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 and Deontay Wilder. I think Wilder took a lot of punishment from Tyson Fury. And I don't know what he has left after that, that trilogy where he got knocked down in the third, dropped Tyson Fury twice in the fourth, got knocked down in the seventh, and then finished off in the 11th. And he took a lot of punishment in that fight. I don't know how you recover from that. And by the way, I'm looking at Engano last night, or yesterday afternoon rather, and I'm, 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 I'm sorry, but Saturday afternoon, and I'm, I'm imagining, what if that were Wilder he was fighting? Would he have been able to take Wilder's right hand because Wilder hits harder than Tyson Fury, even though Tyson Fury is hitting you with 280 to 290 pounds, and Wilder, the most he's been is 231, which is what he weighed for the trilogy against Tyson Fury, but for the most part, he would weigh in at around 212 in most of his fights. If he hit Ngano, what would that have been like? But what if Ngano had caught him? Because remember, Tyson Fury is a superior boxer than Wilder, and Wilder is a superior puncher. So if Wilder had gotten caught 
by Ngannou instead of Fury, what would that have amounted to? If Ngannou had gotten caught by those rights and it was coming from Deontay Wilder instead of Tyson Fury, what would that have amounted to? Those questions make it very interesting because what it means is that Francis Ngannou should stay in boxing because he could make some noise in the heavyweight division in the UFC anymore. What better place is there for him than the sport of boxing? It might be five, five-minute rounds. In boxing, it's 12, three-minute rounds. It's 11 additional minutes. But those three minutes plus the rest might make up for five straight minutes, especially when dudes don't get to wrestle you to the ground. They got to throw punches. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming back with some more uh, material because... Obviously, there's a little NBA action to get into in, in regards to Joel Embiid, James Harden, and of course, the Los Angeles Lakers and yours truly. People had a problem with me about something I did when it came to the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, you know me. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So don't touch that dial. Stick around. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you for tuning in as always as the subscribers continue to grow and grow and grow on YouTube. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate y'all listening to me in the podcast stratosphere as well. All the love is appreciated, no doubt about it. Let me, um, before I get into my next subject, let me say this, sticking with football for a second. Kansas City lost two. They were a virtual no-show offensively. They lost 24-9 to the Denver Broncos. Um, Denver jumped out to a lead. Um, They were up 14-9. And Patrick Mahomes threw a, I mean, threw a touchdown pass, went right through a receiver's arms. And this is the thing. The only reliable weapon he appears to have is Travis Kelsey. Let's just call it what it is. That's the only reliable weapon he appears to have. They got McCole Hardman back. We'll see what that materializes into. He's a familiar guy um, that was with them for years when Tyreek Hill was there before he departed for the New York Jets. And now he's back um, with the Kansas City Chiefs. But in the end, I only bring that up to point out how wide open the AFC is. Kansas City isn't what they used to be. The Chargers are perpetually inept at the wrong times. You know how I feel that Brandon Stilley should have been going as head coach. You know I feel it was stupid for Sean Payton to go to Denver. He should have stayed at Fox Studios or for Pico Boulevard and waited for Brandon Stilley to get fired and took that job. So Justin Herbert could be the quarterback playing under him instead of Russell Wilson. But that's just me. Don't get me started with porn star Jimmy and the Las Vegas Raiders. Don't get me started. Okay. I know he's hurting all of that other stuff, but you know, damn it. that We ain't expecting much from them. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Steelers. Kenny Pickett gets hurt. Mitchell Trubisky comes in, throws a couple of interceptions. No surprise there. He's lucky he's in the league. 
But when we look at the Pittsburgh, when we look at Jacksonville, I'm sorry, one could easily argue that at this particular moment in time with the momentum that they have, they could arguably be one, be the best team in the AFC. We know Cincinnati and Baltimore are in the AFC North. And we know Buffalo and Miami have been going back and forth in the AFC East. So it's just up for grabs right now in the level of parity. This is what makes the NFL successful. Because week to week, you don't know what the hell is going to happen. And as a result, you don't know who to pick to definitively say they're going to win it all. You pick Patrick Mahomes because you know he's the best quarterback in the game. And as you looked at him perform, trying to escape out of the pocket and do some things, you can see that guess what? He needs more help. He needs more help. Taylor Swift couldn't help the Kansas City Chiefs today. Couldn't do it. It's just that simple. All right? Let me get to something that I made news about. Um, when I was on first take, my daytime, my day job, ESPN every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Check it out. It's been number one for 12 years. I'm on first take. And people were getting on me because I had the audacity, the unmitigated goal to pray on national television. Now, I know people out there are not sacrilegious. I know they believe in the good Lord. You can be a Christian, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Jew, who knows? We all pray if we're smart. If we're smart, we pray. We pray to somebody. You understand? I know I do. Every morning, every night, I get on my knees and I pray. Thank the good Lord for giving me through another day. Thank the good Lord for getting me through another night. That is true. Yes, DVA does pray. But let me tell you something else. I don't only pray to the Lord for what I want. I pray to the Lord for blessings upon everybody because I'm that kind of God. But because I'm that kind of God, there's nothing wrong with praying for myself from time to time. And damn it, since my Knicks ain't going to get, they ain't going to get somebody to come to New York City. All right. Not unless they trade for him. And I don't see a Carl Anthony Towns coming. And I don't see a Donovan Mitchell coming. And I prayed in Vegas. Right before the Aerosmith Jr. Terrence Crawford fight with Damian Lillard sitting two rows behind me, I prayed that he'd come to the New York Knicks, even though I knew there was a long shot that that would happen. I'm not going to apologize for doing this. So I'm not going to apologize <laughs> for begging. I don't want to be in Denver in the finals. I want to be in L.A. I'm going to Stephen beg A. AD Stephen to bring a. his A game as much as I possibly can. Just like I begged Damian Lillard to change his mind and want to go to the Knicks. It didn't work, damn it, but it didn't stop me from begging. And I'm going to beg <laughs> Anthony Davis. Do, do, I, you need me to get on my knees on that? Where's the camera? <laughs> you need me to get on my knees right here? Wait, where you want me right here? Wait a minute. Anthony Davis, please, please. <laughs> Could you bring your A game, please? I don't want to be in Denver in June. I want to be in L.A. I want to be in Tinseltown. I want the, I want Hollywood in the backdrop. I want that Southern California sunshine. I want to sing it. I love L.A. after games. Can I get that, please? Please? Could you sit up there and bring your A game on a night and night out basis? Because when your A game arrives, you are one of the top seven players on the planet. Am I begging? I'm on my knees. Please. Please. Yes, that was me praying. That was me getting on my knees and praying. You know why? Partly because Jay Williams got on my damn nerves. Partly because, look, I suffered last year. I mean, a little bit, not a lot. There was Denver. 
And then there was South Beach, a.k.a. Miami. And going to Miami is never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. It's just that I knew that the Miami Heat didn't really have a chance in that series. It was a foregone conclusion. Nothing was titillating. Nothing was suspenseful or anything like that. We, it was a foregone conclusion the Miami Heat were going to lose to the Denver Nuggets. With Jokic, with Jamal Murray, with Michael Porter Jr., even with Bruce Brown coming off the bench, you just knew that the Miami Heat really didn't have much of a chance. Okay? This year is different because Milwaukee can beat Denver. Boston could beat Denver. But Phoenix got a shot to beat them too. The Lakers got a shot to beat them too as far as I'm concerned. If Anthony Davis shows up and plays like that man child he's capable of being, the brother averaged 25 and 12 last year with two blocks a game on 56% shooting. The brother once averaged 28 and 12 for a season. The brother has averaged a minimum of 24 points a game over the last several years when he's in the lineup. The problem is, is that Anthony Davis misses too many damn games. And even the games that he does show up in, he's six flags. He's a roller coaster. And it drives me nuts. Now, a lot of people out there are sitting up there saying, you ain't supposed to be praying and, and, and wishing for a team to lose. Damn it. Y'all kiss my ass. I don't feel like being in Denver. In June. I'm sorry. Fans there are great. The city's great. The high altitude, yes, I could deal with it. The hotels, all right. I, I got it. I, I feel you. I understand. But if I have an opportunity to be in Tinseltown, LA, California, Los Angeles, California, in a Southern California sunshine, in a month of June, because purple and gold get you there. Hell, because the Clippers get you there. That is not something that I'm going to complain about. Would I rather be in LA than Denver? Yes. Would I rather be in Phoenix than Denver? Yes. It is true. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not going to lie. You had rather be in Sacramento than Denver. That's right. I said it. And of course, you know, I'd rather be in Golden State. Than Denver, even though I will admit, I understand modernization kicks in. You know, upgrading is inevitable. It's America. We love to embellish. You don't stand still and do it the same old, same old. I get it. But I got to admit to you, I miss the Warriors being at the Oracle. I really do. When I think about the Warriors, San Francisco, I mean, Chase Center Spectacular, no doubt, no doubt. But the Oracle was something special. I mean, when Steph and Clay and them brothers used to drain threes in that arena, yo, that was different level. My producer knows, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. You know I'm right, Greg. I'm telling you, the Oracle was different. It was special. And I'm here to tell you right now, for me personally, I would much rather be at the Oracle than the Chase Center, but I'd much rather be at both instead of Denver. Now, listen, we have the right to, we have the right to our own proclivities and our own preferences. I talked to y'all about that on many, many occasions. 
You don't want to be a devil. You don't want to be a devil. I'm not going to throw shade on the organization. I'm not going to throw shade on the players. I'm not throwing shade on the city. I like to be where I want to be in June, preferably really, really nice, warm weather, sunshine, beautiful restaurants and all of that good stuff. That's just me. That's just me. That's just the way it is. So I'm sorry if y'all were offended about me getting on my knees and praying that Anthony Davis shows up because that would mean I'd be in L.A. in June. But my my response to you would be to get the hell over it. I'm not apologizing to anybody. Do you know I still cry about once a month over the fact that my dream matchup, Miami and L.A., took place when when they were in the bubble because of COVID? Do you realize that what I prayed for above all else is a Miami-LA finals? Now, I will admit this. No matter how much I love my cities, and I'll give them to you, LA, Miami, not necessarily in that order. Toronto's really, really nice when the weather is warm. No doubt. Okay? Believe it or not, I like Charlotte. Of course, I like Atlanta. You know, I like stuff like that. Okay, that comes to mind. So I give it to you, you know, and, and, and Phoenix is just too damn hot. And coyotes and javelinas are running around. Now, I understand they supposedly don't bother humans, but damn it, I don't like taking chances. Okay, so I'm not down for that. I'll go if I have to, but it ain't my preference. Okay, I'm not apologizing for it to anybody. I don't give a damn what anybody feels. It doesn't mean I ain't going to go and do my job. It just means that I have my preferences. Get over it. Get over it. And oh, by the way, with Philly and, I'm sorry, with Milwaukee and Boston being one of the two teams, you really, really want a Denver-Milwaukee finals? You really want that? I mean, it would be nice basketball-wise. I don't know how many ratings, how much ratings that would give you. We all know that Boston and LA would give you better ratings. That's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. You're listening live right here to the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Um, Appreciate the love and support. Keep it coming. Um, Sad story today. I've never been, or never was rather, a big Friends fan in the 10 seasons that it was on the air. I knew it was the rave. You know, everybody was raving about it all of those years with Matthew Perry, Jennifer Aniston, and the crew. I get it. I understand it. I've seen all of them as actors and actresses. They're absolutely phenomenal. They deserved all the love and the praise that they got. And when they were getting a million dollars an episode, they deserved it because of the money that they were bringing in to NBC and, you know, the Warner Brothers and all of that other stuff. I get it. I understand. I really, really do. But Matthew Perry, um, even though I wasn't, I didn't watch that show all the time, how could you not know Friends? I mean, I was a guy that was a huge Martin Lawrence fan, so I watched Martin, and I liked those old-time comedies like the Jeffersons and Archie Bunker and the Honeymooners and Sanford and Son, stuff like that. But Friends was cool. I watched it occasionally. Me, me myself, Everybody Loves Raymond and Seinfeld to me uh, was, was, was preferences over Friends, you know, in terms of my favorites or whatever that I watched over the years. But how do you not know Matthew Perry and how could you not love? Matthew Perry. I love seeing him in the whole nine yards. Back around 2000, 2001, whenever it was with him and Bruce Willis 
and, and that actress Natasha, I forgot her last name, but she's she was gorgeous back then. I don't know what she looked like now. But Matthew Perry was, you know, a tremendous actor and really funny, very, very talented. Um, he passed away Saturday at the age of 54, found dead in his hot tub. Cause of death at this particular moment was unknown. Drugs were not found. Uh, but according to the Los Angeles Times, um, you know, no drugs were found at the scene, but a source told the Times prescription medications were recovered at the home. So hence toxicologies, uh, a toxicology report, you know, that'll be a part of the investigation. Um, it's at a time like this, you know, your heart goes out to his family, his parents, uh, his friends and loved ones. Um, I remember watching an interview that he did with Diane Sawyer. Um, when this book was coming out and did you know that that interview, the release of that interview was a year to the day that he passed away. It was released last year on October 28th and he passed away on October 28th. So, you know, you just think about the irony of all of that and there's really not much to say, you know, going too soon. And we talk about all, you know, the problems that people have. When you watch the Diane Sawyer interview, it's very revealing, very telling. He's talking about how he once took 55 pills, 55 uh, doses of Vicodin. 55 in one day. Ladies and gentlemen, I took one. One. I think two in one day, one time. I felt like heaven, heaven, I like, like heaven had arrived. I've never felt that at ease and comfortable in my life. When my doctor told me after my knee surgery, I had to get off of that, I almost cried. I mean, actually after my shoulder surgery, not this shoulder. It's not the first time I had surgery on my shoulder. When he told me he had to get off, I almost cried. I say all of that to say that some addictions you can understand. We're not excusing it. We're not condoning it. We're not saying it's okay. I'm just talking about a level of compassion and understanding for the Matthew Perry's of the world and others. See, when it comes to cocaine and heroin and stuff like that, there's not a lot of sympathy that emanates from somebody like me because my attitude is very simple. You can't get addicted to something you never try. So what the hell are you doing trying cocaine for? What the hell are you doing trying heroin for? But when it comes to pills and pain medication, we got to understand where that starts, where that emanates from. You're not feeling well or you had a surgery or something and a doctor prescribes this for you. And all of a sudden you take it. How your body reacts chemically depends on person to person. You can't definitively say it's going to affect each and every single individual the same way. You can't do that. So how it starts matters because then what your body is craving is what your body is craving. And you can find yourself in a rut. And ultimately, that's what ended up happening to Matthew Perry to some degree. 
I don't know whether doctors were involved, drug dealers were involved, or whatever the case may be, but go watch the interview with Diane Sawyer from October 2022. It's very revealing. And all I can say is that my heart goes out to him and his loved ones and his family. Um, we're all human beings. We're all children of the Lord. And at some point in time, it's our time. And it's just sad. And, you know, as a parent, you, you're never supposed to watch your child leave before you. But that's what happened here. And so when you see people talking about him or whatever, it's, it's one of those things where he went through a hard life and what have you. But, you know, it seems like the pain that he inflicted was on himself not on anybody else and that he had his own demons that he was battling. And somebody like that always warrants our compassion. I don't have too much compassion for people that hurt other people. When you afflict others because of whatever issues you may have, I don't have the greatest patience for that. But in this case, that wasn't the situation. And so it's just a shame because he was such a talent, such a great talent, and he's gone. Matthew Perry, dead at the age of 54. Our thoughts and prayers are with all his loved ones and his family. Back with your questions right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airways. YouTube coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least. Um, my producer, Greg, just mentioned something to me that I didn't know because I, I just didn't know. When you bring up heroin and we talk about uh you can't get addicted. You can't get addicted to something that you never try. And I brought up cocaine. That was one element. I mentioned heroin, which is another. Made a very valid point. Appreciate the education. Um, usually, heroin is a heroin use is a result of folks getting prescription medication like Vicodin, Percocet, stuff like that. And they're looking for that feel to em emulate and duplicate that feel. And heroin purportedly is cheaper than those prescription drugs, which is how folks end up on stuff like heroin. I never knew that. I never knew that. I stand, you know, I didn't know. I, I never knew. Okay. But I can tell you this. I, I've never craved a drug in my life other than Vicodin. I mean, when I took that Vicodin, man, when the doctor told me I get to get over that, I wanted to cry. I wanted it bad. I, oh, I was hot. I, I was like, what? Why? Why? I'm still hurting. I'm still hurt. I'm still hurting. I was lying. I wasn't hurt. But I wanted the drug because it just made me feel so good. And it was the best sleep that I had, too, when I went to sleep. I mean, I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, that, that damn thing might have been like Skittles or Sweet and Sour Patches to me. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm just being honest. Crunchberry, yeah, it was that good. 
It was that good. So when people talk about, I remember whether it was Brett Favre or others, and they were talking about the pain medication and stuff like that. I'm always sensitive to that stuff because I understand that level of addiction that people are alluding to. And I just wanted to say that. Um, let me go to the questions before I get on out of here, because I know some of y'all have it. You know, some of y'all be getting on my nerves with the questions. I can't wait until my live phone system is reinstituted when I move into my new studio. Because I like your calls. Ain't nobody running. Ain't nobody hiding. I love taking your calls. Because I will curse your ass out. I will, I will not hesitate. But I'll also be a very, very nice guy, too. Depends on what mood I'm in and what you bring out of me. It really, really does. Anyway, let's get to it. At Sebi Chan 24, he writes, Stephen A., do you think it's a good idea that the Lakers pursue James Harden? Because D'Lo is a good player, but he is not good playmaking. That's why LeBron setting plays against Suns. First of all, you all grammatically incorrect all over the damn place. I mean, you're going to sit up there and write me a text message. Can you know where to put a, a period, a comma, something with these run-on sentences? You know where to add an and, it, if, what, whatever? Jesus. Anyway, I think Harden play part ends. I'm going to do it for you. Playmaking can help Lakers to get easy baskets. Here's the deal. Harden is not the superstar that he once was, but he's still an all-star caliber player. He led the league in assists last year. Joel Embiid doesn't get the league MVP award if it were not for Harden. So we understand that, Sebi. The problem is, what kind of effect is Harden going to have on your locker room? He quit on Houston. He was threatening to quit on Brooklyn. He's quitting on Philadelphia, even though, you know what? He was with the team yesterday. The bottom line is, is that it's a bad situation and his reputation is being damaged. And you got people that are, that are iffy on it. If you're the Los Angeles Lakers, you've built a team that has chemistry. They get along with each other. They like each other. They got to the Western Conference Finals last year, et cetera. I mean, let's, let's put it into perspective. Why bring him into that? I will say this, though. My faith in D'Angelo Russell is diminishing by the game. How quiet he gets in key pivotal moments. He's not making the right pass. He's not making big shots. He's not making the right decisions. I will admit, you do find yourself looking at the Lakers and saying, damn, James Harden on that crew, that could work but I don't know if they've got the assets that they want to give up to get him from Philadelphia because you got some assets there. No question about it, but do you want to give them up if you're the Los Angeles Lakers for a dude that might turn on you and say, I want out. Remember, he's a free agent at the end of the season. I don't know about that. I don't know. At KV Blaz, B-L-A-Z 16, is he writes, is it time to start giving the Jaguars their props? They've probably been the most consistent team over the past few weeks. Didn't you hear me give them props? Did I not say that the Jacksonville Jaguars may be the top team in the AFC? Did I not say that? Trevor Lawrence is that dude. Calvin Ridley can be that dude. Doug Peterson's a damn good coach. They won a playoff game last year. They are, t they are a team to be reckoned with. I'll give you that. You happy? Okay. I mean, you, you know, you, you ain't done much in a while. You got to the AFC Championship game in 2017. You disappeared for about six years before you became relevant again last year. Could you pump the brakes? Please. Please, with sugar on top. Next one. Tyler Duffy at T 
Duffy 669. How come in none of the Fast and Furious movies did they didn't ever stop for gas? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. But it is the movies, in case you didn't know, number one. Secondly, when you're producing a movie, would you really have wanted two, three minutes of the movie taken away from the action to watch them pumping gas? You know what I'm saying? Certain things are just assumed. I mean, I don't know if you know that or not. Watching TV and 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 and, and, and watching movies and stuff like that. I don't know if you know that, but you got to do it like that. And then, by the way, um, you know, Fast and Furious, especially since Fast Five, has been off the chain. Vin Diesel with The Rock, with Jason Stratham. You kidding me? I mean, it's nice. And now with the very last one, Aquaman, it was wild, but it was good. I mean, Jason Momoa, I mean, come on. You complain about the wrong things. Stop the whining. Next up, at Chris Plash, Chris Plashed. How much do you tip for good service at a restaurant? What do you say to bad tippers? I say nothing um, to bad tippers because I'm not a waitress and I'm not a restaurant owner. Waiter, waitress, and I'm not a restaurant owner. Why the hell would I speak about bad tippers? How would I know somebody's a bad tipper? That's a dumbass question. You understand that, right? This is a dumbass question to ask somebody. That's an actual customer. Now, here's what I can tell you about me as a tipper. I always give a minimum of a 20% tip. Always. Because this is how people make a living. And they provide a service. Some are better than others. But I always give a minimum of a 20% tip. And most times I give 25%. That is what I would tell you. Because it's the right thing to do. Especially if the service is good. I mean, if you're going to go out, you know, pay. Stop being so damn cheap. How about this? At NFL Beatster. How bad is Zach Wilson? And who's worse in their current role, Zach Wilson or Brian Dable? Well, Zach Wilson is not very good, but at least the Jets are winning games. That's number one. They're four and three on the year now. Number two, Brian Dable, he is the reigning coach of the year. They were just nine and seven, one and seven and one last year. Um, I think you got to look at Daniel Jones. I think you have to look at them being bereft of weapons. I think you got to look at the New York Giants and the season is a wash because they don't have anything. I think they had like minus five passing yards on Sunday. It was awful. Awful. They just don't have anything. Sometimes it's about the fact that you just don't have the talent. And I think in Brian Dable's case, that is the case. You don't have the talent. Now, the question is, who the hell is responsible for giving quarterback Daniel Jones $40 million? That's the damn question. Who gave that brother $40 million? Who signed off on that? Because we all know he didn't deserve it. And here's the ignorance. Who was going to give him $40 million? If Daniel Jones wasn't quarterbacking for the New York Giants, you tell me what team out there was going to say, Daniel Jones, come here. Let me give you $40 million a year. Let me give you a four-year, $160 million deal right here. Who's going to do that? You are what the market says you are. And if there's nobody out there that was going to give you that money, why should somebody give it to you? That's the mistake that Brian Dable made. And I think that's how we got to look at it. I got to get on out of here. 
Um, it's a lot going on on this Monday, so it's a lot to get into. Um, Monday night football game coming up. You got NBA action coming up. You got this, you know, the week progressing. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go on. And some people getting on my damn nerves. So you'll see me getting into some stuff in the days to come. Make no mistake about it because people like to agitate me. And you know what? It works. What they don't realize is that it works for me better than it works for them. Because exhaling could be cathartic. Look up the word if you don't know what the hell it means. I ain't got time to tell you. I like it. I like people getting on my nerves from time to time so I can go to hell off and exhale because I feel better that way instead of holding stuff up inside and letting it itch away at you. You know, I don't feel like doing all of that. I like to let it out, but I let it out when I want to, not when others are trying to make me. So stay tuned, stick around because you never know what you're going to get from the Stephen A. Smith show. Until later, y'all. Peace and love. I'm out. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.